0: And uh, we look forward to the, uh, the coffee time after the meeting, um, where you can chat and get to know each other. So that will be in about, I don't know, a couple of hours' time. And no, it won't. <laughs> You're safe. <laughs> 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 All right, it's great to be here this morning. Uh, a warm welcome to you. Again, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central, and we are looking at Ephesians chapter 4, This morning, if you have a Bible, you might want to uh, open it at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read through verses 1 through 6. And um, kids, what I'm preaching about is for you too. Uh, So do keep your ears open as you uh, are drawing or playing with your Rubik's cubes or whatever it is that's going on. Um... (laughs) um, No, seriously, um, kids, if you get hold of something this morning, you're not going to understand everything probably, but then, you know, I'll let you into secret, your parents aren't either. Um, In fact, you might be able to explain something to them. Feel free to come and explain to me what you've understood at the end of the meeting. I love it when uh, kids come and they explain what they've got from the meeting, uh, what they've got from the message. Sometimes it's in a drawing, um, but it's really encouraging when that happens. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 1 through 6, which says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, as I was explaining last time, Paul has reached a transition point in his letter. Up until now, he's been setting out verse after verse what it is that God has done for us. Whose God is? What he has done for us. How he's been working in our lives. And right now, he's switching our attention to our response to that grace and that love which he has lavished on us, and God has called us to be united with him forever, and uh, we're looking to see how that works itself out in our lives. So we've seen who we are, and we saw what we believe affects our behavior. That's what we looked at last time. What we believe affects our behavior. On the flip side, how we behave reflects and reveals what we really believe. Living godly lives doesn't earn us a relationship with God, but it shows the world that we have one. Paul is urging us, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So what is an appropriate way to live in response to the grace and the call of God on our life? That's what Paul's focusing in on the remainder of this letter, and he begins with this. Be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love so if we believe the gospel if we believe all that Paul said so far this is how we will live easy actually Paul doesn't start with one that's easy at all for our society in the past, humility was seen as a virtue in society. It was good that people were humble, but it isn't these days. We've got used to having world leaders who just boast about how great they are. And social media encourages us to brag about ourselves and about our achievements or about our kids' achievements, which is kind of indirectly boasting about our achievements. Um, as Joe and Gary were and I were in Dartmouth, uh, on Friday and yesterday, uh, seeking God about this potential church plant. Uh, we saw this sign um, on a, a store. It's actually a pie store, I discovered. I didn't know at the time there was a hep blizzard going on. Uh, you can go a bit closer so you can see what is on the door. It says, it's hard to be humble. Hard to be humble. And I knew I was preaching on humility this week, and I was like, oh, yes, it is hard to be humble. We all find it, as I was preparing I'm being challenged all the time about, oh, my word, what about myself? It's hard to be humble. Yet this is the first thing that Paul calls us to as a response to the gospel, as a life worth living uh, in in what we've received. He says, be completely humble. I often laugh when I read um, through Numbers uh, and Numbers 12, verse 3. The first five books of the Old Testament are supposed to have been uh, written by Moses. Traditionally, it's been understood. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, including the book of Numbers. Um, And Numbers 12, verse 3 says this. Now, Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. (laughs) I always laugh about that. Thanks for pointing that out to to us, Moses. (laughs) Great. More humble than anyone else. Um, I that, that, part, that verse was probably added by a scribe. Because the whole story is about Moses' humility. But I still find it funny. There are, there are three reasons. I, I've got this morning. There are three reasons why humility is the appropriate response to our lives being impacted by God. Three reasons. The first one is this. To encounter the greatness of God himself is humbling. To encounter the greatness of God is humbling. If you aren't humble, the question could be, have you actually met God? Because as we see through scripture and in our own lives maybe, as we encounter God, we get humbled. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, Isaiah has an encounter with God. God it says in the year that King Isaiah died I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and it goes on talking about the train filling his temple and uh, the, the angels and the uh, you know the, the, the living creatures surrounding him and then it says in verse 5 Isaiah's response he says woe to me I am ruined For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When Isaiah meets with the living God, he is completely humbled before him, and his response is is shame about his life. Oh, I'm ruined. Job, similarly, in Job chapter 42, Job says to God, My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Hearing about God didn't have too much of an effect on Job. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Having an encounter with God has the response, I despise myself, I repent in dust and and ashes. It's not just enough to hear the truth about God. It's not just enough to, hear, to do an alpha course. It's not just enough to sit in church meetings hearing about God each week. What makes you a child of God is on the basis of hearing the gospel and then meeting God, encountering him personally. And when you do so, when you come into God's presence, you repent. You repent. You will suddenly change your view about who you are. You'll suddenly change your view about who you are. You might have thought you were okay. You might have thought you were a good person. You might have thought you had various different skills and gifts and something to bring to the table. But when you encounter the living God, you will just say, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Because you've seen who God is. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1. The disciples are fishing. They've been out all night. They've not caught any fish. Jesus comes along. And he says to them, hey, put your, put your nets down on the other side of the boat. And Simon Peter says, do you know what, Jesus? We've, we've been fishing all night. We've not caught anything. The subtext behind that is, Jesus, we're fishermen. We've not caught anything all night. And you're, and you're just saying it's as simple as throwing our net on the other side of the boat. You know, really? You just stick to preaching, we'll stick to fishing. Peter was really saying, what are you even talking about, Jesus? But then he says, but because it's you, okay, we'll do it. And he throws the net on the other side of the boat. And they catch a miraculous catch of fish. The nets are overflowing. The nets are bursting. What is Peter's response? It says in verse 8, he fell at Jesus' feet and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He recognizes that this isn't just some other rabbi, other teacher, this is the Lord. This is God. He encounters God and he says, go away, I'm a sinful man. He knows he's proud. He knew what was in his heart when Jesus spoke to him. And he says, go away with me, from me. A meeting with God humbles you. If we've met God, we get off our inflated view of ourselves. We see ourselves as who we really are. We're planning to take a sabbatical this uh, summer, and one thing Debbie and I want to do during that time, we'll be in the UK for several months, and uh, one thing we want to do is go to the Lake District, which is an area of the country in the north of the country. We used to love going to it. We used to kind of go there every year, at least once a year, when we were living there. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. There's, like, mountains and lakes. um, Kind of think the Rockies, but a bit better, Um, (laughs) actually. That's my British pride coming out. I <laughs> say the Rockies are better, <laughs> but I couldn't resist. Um, but but amazing place to go. And when you're in the mountains, whether it's the Lake District, whether it's the Rockies, wherever it is, the Alps, you suddenly feel very vulnerable because there's these huge mountains, and you just feel so small. I remember one time we were up uh, one of the mountains, and the mist came in. We couldn't see anything. And you just suddenly feel, oh my word, I feel very small. I don't know where I'm going. And we managed to scramble off the mountain. Um, But if you feel like that when you're surrounded by mountains, how about when you meet the one who made the mountains? How does that make us feel? An encounter with God humbles us. Secondly, experience the grace of God, experiencing the grace of God also humbles us. We come into a relationship with God entirely because of what Jesus has done, not what we've done. We haven't earned our salvation. Chapter 2, verse 9 of Ephesians says, It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The gift of God, the grace of God is humbling. The relationship I've got with God is nothing to do with me. It's not of my doing. Anything God does in my life to bless me is nothing to do with me. He doesn't bless me with a home or a family or a job or anything because I've earned it. He doesn't. It's all grace. God doesn't answer my prayers because of my good works. It's all grace. And it humbles us. It humbles us. And thirdly, chapter 3, verse 16 says, We are being strengthened Through power, with power, through the spirit of God in our inner being. Paul says, I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And it goes on to say, so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. We've got the spirit of Jesus living in us. And what do we know about Jesus? Well, we know he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Philippians 2 tells us he didn't hold on to the equality that he had with God. He humbled himself. He became a man. He was rich, yet he became poor. He borrowed a manger to be born in. He had nowhere to live throughout his life. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. People mocked him and reviled him. He was rejected. He was humble when he was accused and mocked and insulted He was silent. He didn't defend himself. He didn't take advantage of the fact that he was God. That's what Jesus did. And his spirit is within us. His spirit is within us. If we have the spirit of Jesus, we won't be arrogant or pushy or opinionated or argue back at God or think we know better, tell him what he should be doing, even if we don't understand it we'll be humble before God. For all these reasons, we, when, we, when we come to know God, when we become a Christian, whatever you wanna call it, get saved, be born again, actually we repent. Repentance is such a key part of that process. It's a key part of our response to God's grace because we have to realize who we are. We have to realize that the way we were thinking about life, the way we were thinking about ourselves is not reality before God. The sign of that repentance is baptism. Baptism. When we, when we come into a relationship with God, we get baptized. If you've come into a relationship with God and not yet been baptized, I would urge you to get baptized. Come and speak to one of us about it. Because as we repent and we believe, then we get baptized. And uh, baptism is a humbling thing. We stand in front of the whole church. Some people would say, oh, I don't really like standing in front of the whole church. Oh, I feel a bit self. Yeah, it's humbling. It's humbling. Then we get plunged into some water. Anything, any way that we looked, whether whether we got a great hair set up or whatever you call it. Set up? (laughs) What is it? Hair do? What is it? (laughs) Hairstyle? hairstyle. (laughs) I was going to say hairdo. I thought, that's a bit English. It must be a a Canadian way. It's not set up. It's a bit (laughs) old-fashioned. Anyway, (laughs) if you think you're looking good before you go in, you're not looking good when you come out. That's the point I'm trying to make. (laughs) If you take pride in your appearance, don't get baptized. (laughs) You'll lose it all. Jesus said that's how we start the Christian life. By dying to ourselves. That's what baptism is as well. It's not just about the outward things. It's dying to ourselves. And we'll define our relationship with God by that. We've died to ourselves. We've raised to a new life. Actually, all the pride, everything is gone. It'll define our relationship with others as well. If we come into, ke- into the church through a gospel that doesn't involve some kind of repentance, actually, if we just think, oh, intellectually it makes sense, Actually, our relationship with others will be difficult. We'll always think we know best. We'll always want to maintain our independence. We'll always want to sort things out ourselves. We'll not come to anyone for wisdom or advice or input into our lives, direction in our life. But if we've repented, we'll be teachable. We'll be teachable. We'll want input into our lives. If we're small in our own eyes, we won't be arrogant with each other. So we'll be able to forgive each other when they've heard us, when they've done something wrong. We'll let each other off the hook even when they're in the wrong. Santiago's sitting here in the front row, so he's fair game. <laughs> if, I, if I've heard that Santiago has been saying things about me, you know he's been talking about me and he's been bad mouthing me. I, by the way, I haven't heard that. But if I've heard that, you know, he he really thinks that I really don't know what I'm doing when I'm preaching. He thinks he could do a better job himself. At least that's what I think he's been saying. I don't think he's been saying it, but maybe in this scenario that's what I think he's been saying. So it gets to the point where I don't trust Santiago. I'm like, oh I don't really want I don't really want anything to do with him. I'm wanting him to know his place. In the church. There's a barrier between us. This is all made up by the way. There's a, <laughs> There's a barrier between us. But then if I realize what the Bible says about me. That I was dead in my transgressions and sins. That I lived among the disobedient. That I was an object of wrath. That's me. I'm nothing. But God's had mercy on me. God's had mercy on me. He's forgiven me. If I've got a low view of someone else, I'm implying that I'm better than them. I'm implying basically I'm good. I'm implying I can judge them for who they are and for the things that they've done. But when I've appreciated the grace of God, I realize actually I'm not okay. It's, it's sheer grace that I've received mercy. How can I hold a grudge about someone else? If someone else hasn't behaved Impeccably well? Well, so what? Neither have I. I've got mixed motives. I've let other people down. I can forgive them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? We've got to look at ourselves. We've got to realize who we are before Christ. When we realize this, we won't hold grudges. We will forgive people. The Spirit of the Lord enables us to relate to people because actually it's the same Spirit in each of us. We have that unity of the Spirit. And Paul says make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. As we do that, we forgive each other freely. We forgive each other. We don't make the unity of the Spirit. Christ made that. Christ, destroyed the, barrier. Christ restored, destroyed the barriers between us and restored us together. He made the unity of the Spirit. But we have to maintain it. We have to keep it. Paul's a realist. He was in the church. He knew what it was like to be part of the church. He knew what people were like. He knew that we have to make an effort to do that. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Efforts called for. Effort to guard our attitudes towards each other. Effort to keep our thinking straight. Effort to be completely humble in our relationships. Who's let you down in these last few days, or last few weeks, or months, or years? Well, make every effort to get your attitude right. Be completely humble. I would urge you to reach out to people Make sure they know you're for them. It's been a difficult time these last few years. We all know that. It's been a difficult time. People, and one of the things that's happened is people have been drawn into different camps. People have had very strong views about how we should do things. But the thing is, we can end up opposing our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can end up hurting each other. It's happened, it's happened. People have been hurt, people have been rejected, people have been judged. I think many of us have been guilty of hurting people and judging people, myself included. We need to humble ourselves, church. We need to repent of these things. And that might involve going and talking to someone, having a conversation with someone that you won't find easy. Maybe you've not talked to them for quite some time. Your pride won't want you to do it. But let's make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. The spirit of God within you wants you to humble yourself. He's the spirit of Jesus. He wants you to take the first steps towards reconciliation. Where you've been hurt, where you're holding memories, hurts, thoughts, grudges, I urge you, let the grace of God transform you so that you let them off the hook. You forgive them. You go to them. You be the first to apologize. You might think, well, it's them. They've been the main aggressor. They've been the main one who's done it. No, be the first to apologize for your part in any breakdown. Pray a blessing on them because we're all saved by grace. We're all saved by grace. It's not an option it's not an option just to ignore people in the church. Oh, I'll focus on some other people. I'll just focus on my friends. You can't just ignore people who we find difficult. We can't ignore it when relationships have been broken. We can't just stick with groups of people who are like ourselves. Jesus broke down the dividing walls. On that point, there's there's lots of there's lots of people here, but it's not a huge number. It's not like Hundreds and hundreds of people. But there's some here, maybe a number here, who, who actually don't know many people at all. And maybe some of us have been here for some time and we still don't really know many people. I would encourage us to break out of our little groups that we have. Yes, it's good to meet up with friends. It's good to spend time with each other. It's good to catch up. But let's get to know each other as well. Let's break out of our circle. Because if we stay in our little groups... Actually, that's dividing the body somewhat. We've just got a group, different groups of people instead of one group. There are people who come here week after week after week and they feel that they know nobody. Maybe sometimes people say hi to people and then that's it and there's no relationship all week. Effort is called for. Make every effort. One great way to start might be after each meeting here, make the first person that you speak to someone who you've not spoken to before, or someone that you've not spoken to in a long, long time. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. could just be two or three minutes. But that's just a practical thing of saying, the first person I'm going to speak to, I'm going to make sure someone feels welcomed. I'm going to just say hi to people. Make every effort. It's difficult. It's difficult. Actually, I would say, if we're not born again, some of these things are impossible. I just need to highlight that. Because otherwise it sounds like I'm just giving a list of rules. And I said last time, this isn't about a list of rules. It's not about a list of what you ought to do and, and laws. No, actually it's impossible if, we, if we've not been born again. It's only if the Spirit of God's been at work in us. If we're new people where the old has gone and the new has come. And if, you're not, if you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. You can know him today. Just come and speak to one of us about it. But Paul has spo- is speaking to people who have been saved. They've been chosen before the creation of the world. He knows God's at work in them. And this is what we're called to. And we can think, oh, no, it's impossible. We can't do it. Let's just, let's just move on. No, the Holy Spirit is key. We're totally dependent on the activity of the Spirit for all he intends to do with us. So we've got to be open to the Spirit in our lives. If we're going to come into this high calling of being the people of God, the people God wants to transform the face of Fredericton and the Maritimes, not just us, but other churches as well. But it's important that we keep in step with the Spirit of God. And how does he want to do it? He wants to make us one. He wants to make us one together. He wants to deal with relationship issues. We can't go forward where there's disunity, arrogance, distrust, independence, people just building their own kingdom, building their own ministry, building their own reputation. That's gotta go, it's just gotta go. He wants us to humble ourselves and maintain the unity of the spirit. And we do it ourselves. You know, people could say, oh God, will you humble me? Actually, James 4, 10 says, humble yourself. Humble yourselves, we do it ourselves. If we want God working in our lives, we need to humble ourselves. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows His blessing. Now, in Ephesians, we go through chapter four. Uh, sorry, chapter four and verse four. Paul is putting all of this in a particular context, and that's the context of the Trinity. He says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith in baptism, one baptism, sorry, one God and Father of us all. So he said, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father. Our unity is in the context of the Trinity. So this message is getting easier to understand by the minute. Um, I was encouraging the kids that you can get it. Well, who can understand the Trinity? Probably no one. None of us can understand the Trinity. It's an incredible mystery. God is one, yet God is three persons. And some people have tried to explain it. Oh, well, it's a bit like water and ice and steam. Well, it's not, because if you've got water, you can't. it can't be steam at the same time. It's either one or the other. It can't be ice. It can't be steam at the same time. But yet God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all at the same time. So whenever you try and liken the Trinity to anything, you're kind of wrong. Um, (laughs) There's no point in doing it. It's a mystery. Uh, So why does Paul refer to the Trinity here? Because in the Trinity, you have total unity. You have total unity. You have three, yet you have one. They unify together. When the Father creates the universe, he speaks by his word. And the Spirit hovers over the waters. So you've got the three together. At Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke and said how pleased he was with Jesus, his son. And then the Spirit descended on him like a dove. Each member of the Trinity is involved in what the others are doing. It's a beautiful picture of how the church can be. We're not all the same, we're all different, yet our unity is that we're all involved with one another. What one part of the body is feeling, we all feel. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We suffer with those who suffer. What the church does, we do together. Paul says there's one body. One body. We, we, we do it together. We're all different. We've all got different gifts. We're all involved in maybe different activities as our primary thing. But whatever we're doing, we do together. We're one body. And parts don't drop off our body at different times. Now, maybe some of you might say, well, my, wa- my mind's wandered away quite a bit this morning. But generally, all the parts of your body go where you go. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. As there's unity in the Trinity, there's unity in the church. And uh, you know, it's something we need to get hold of. I would, I would think maybe we've not fully got hold of this yet. It's, there's lots of things we haven't fully got hold of, but we, we move towards getting hold of this. Of, so often our concept of church can still be going to church. Church is something out there that we go to. But in the New Testament, we are church. And so we go and we do together. You might say, well, Mark, you're just playing with words. It's all semantics. No, it's not, it's not that. If the church is something we go to, then we can choose whether we go or not. If the church is something that we're part of, then whatever the church does, we're part of. We do. I don't think we've fully got hold of it yet. We're, we're about to have a, a church weekend away in June. Uh, June 16th through 18th. And as we get close to it, the temptation for us as leaders is to keep talking about it and, and kind of nag you into being there. You know, oh, come on, you really should go. There's going to be this going on. And, and, you know, let's find something that's going to appeal to everyone. Oh, we're going to have a sports time and you'll be able to go on the lake and uh, we're going to have an entertainment evening and uh, there's kids work and we can say all of these different things that there might be just to try. Oh, well, okay, well, I suppose I might go. We might just try and persuade you to get there. That would be the temptation. But what I long for is for us as a church to say, do you know what? That's what we're doing as a church. So I'm going to be there. that's our main reason for being there, because the church are doing it, because that's where we are. Not because of any pressure, not because of any manipulation, but because it's in our hearts. And if if it's in our hearts, then we're not going to be like, oh, well, I suppose, oh, dear me. Oh, there's going to be so many mosquitoes and black flies at that time of year. Oh, no, it's going to be. Oh, and those beds. Do you remember those beds? They're so uncomfortable. Oh, and then we might have to share with other people who we don't know. Oh, that's just going to be awkward. Oh, and all of these different reasons might come up why we think, oh, why do we, re- we really, do we want to do that? Really? Green Hill Lake Camp in June? Ugh. Actually, all those things will fade away if we're just longing to be there together as a church. I was to say, right now, we're, we're probably in our own minds, and I'll include myself in it, We're all together, maybe we're not there. We do things as a church, but often the whole church doesn't come. Sometimes we might encourage folk to come out to pray, like at our prayer meeting that we've got tonight. We've got a prayer meeting, it's the leaders' prayer meeting, ostensibly, but anyone can come. And uh, people might say to us, well, what are you praying about tonight? I think tonight we're probably praying about... Um, the 20s weekend coming up, and we're praying about the potential of a Halifax church plant in the future, which Joe spoke about last week. So you might think, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not in the 20s, so I'm not interested in the 20s weekend, and uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be going to Halifax, so I don't think I'll come. That might be how we think. You know, is there some, is there some hook, is there something I'm interested in that we're praying about? If not... Okay, other people are doing that, I'm not doing it, so I don't need to be there. No, as a church, that's what we're involved in. As a church, that's what we're doing. So we might not be going to Halifax, and we might not be going to the 20's weekend, and we might not serve in Kids Club if we pray for Kids Club, and we might not be a life group leader if we're praying for the life group leaders, or even part of a life group, but we're part of the church, and so we can be part of it together. Please hear me in this. I'm not saying any of this to guilt anyone. It's just something that we've got to f- keep praying about, that we'll get an understanding of what Paul is saying about being united, keeping the unity of the Spirit. I'd love to learn it about it as a church together. Paul is rooting it in the Trinity, in the Trinity. Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, but God was there with him as well. Terrible thing, actually, is that the only time when the Father wasn't with Jesus was when he died. And the wrath of God, which was supposed to be poured out on us, was poured out on him. What a horrible moment that was. But that was the only time. That's why Jesus called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in all other things they're together, Jesus said, I do what I see the Father doing. How, How do I decide what I'm doing? I'm not being independent. I'm doing what I see the Father doing. Three in one, always together. Each of us in the church are different, but we're together too. And what we pray is that we will be together, not because we have to, not because someone's persuaded us, but because we want to. Because we love the church, because we want to be together. It's not just going along and supporting meetings. Well, oh, I suppose I better support the women's meeting. This uh, That was last week, wasn't it? The men's meeting coming up. Oh, I suppose I better go and support it. That's not what it's about. It's not about just saying, well, I suppose I ought to. We want to be the people that God is making us to be united. We want people to want to do it. But we want people to do what God wants. We want people to want to do what God wants. Spirit of God is a spirit of unity. That's what marks us out. The spirit of God moving in people. The Spirit brings us into one body and we maintain that unity. One hope, one saviour. We all came through Jesus. One baptism, we all come through one baptism. In the end, the goal in verse 13 is we all reach unity in the faith. And the way we get there is we build together locally here in our local church. Now there might be elements where Paul is talking about unity between different churches and I could talk about that but we don't have time today. Um, I'm happy to talk to people about that if you want. Really Paul is talking here about the local church. Our relationships with each other and we have to make every effort. And we might say well why bother? Well this is God's plan. God doesn't have a plan B. This is God's plan for the world. Whole cities And nations hearing about Jesus because they see a people who love one another and who are united. The church is God's strategy to be glorified in the whole world. So we need to lay down our private agendas and our pride and our unforgiveness and everything that stops us moving forward as one. And we humble ourselves and we forgive each other and we're quick to say sorry and we unite together. And God's church will be built. Here in Fredericton. And everywhere that he calls us to be. I pray in Jesus name. That that will be the case. Amen. Well why don't we stand together. Why don't we stand together. There's some. Uh, I just want to pray. Before, before Angela comes up. And leads us in worship. Father God. I just want to pray that you will take the words that I've said today, Lord, and and these are difficult things to wrestle with. We want to be sober about them. We want to come before you and submit ourselves to what you are saying and to your word. But in all of that, Lord, I want to pray, Lord, if there's any way that I've expressed things this morning which maybe come across with any kind of edge or Uh, pressure or anything, Lord, I pray that you will just deal with that. I want to say that's not what my intention is or has been. Lord, we want people to hear you this morning. want people to hear you this morning. And, Lord, where you are speaking to us, and it could well be for different people, God has just impressed something on your mind, something that you need to do as a first step, maybe someone you need to speak to, maybe Some communication that needs to happen. Maybe something you need to actually take time with before God, just you and God, and just repent of. Maybe something that you've caught a glimpse of this morning about the church, and you need to say, God, will you show me more? Will you open my eyes if this is what you are saying to me? Lord God, I pray you'll speak to each one of us individually. But then I pray that you will speak to us as a church and you will unite us increasingly as a church. We will be one together. Thank you for everyone you've put here. Thank you for each person. And I pray that we would love each other. We would stand with each other. We would serve with each other. We would pray with each other. And we would be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.